Hey friends, welcome to the Thrive Like a Parent podcast. You know those parents who look like they've got it all together? Yep, that's not me. I'm Dr. Brooke Weinstein, mom, widow, and neuroscience expert on all things sensory and emotional regulation. Yep, that's right. I'm here to get down and dirty on the truth behind parenting, education, burnout, neuroscience, widowhood, and the shit show we call life. So come join me for conversations with thought leaders, doctors, and women just like you who aren't afraid to speak the truth and help you find that silver lining between the to-do lists, shit shows, and chaos of parenthood. If you are craving the answers to finally find that sweet spot between chaos and calm, pull up a seat and listen in as I take you from burnt out and surviving to finally thriving. Hello, welcome to another episode of Thrive Like a Parent podcast. Today, we're going to talk about when do you know you are finally healed from trauma? Okay, I've done all this work. Hooray, I get to graduate. Like, when do you know? So the short answer and probably the fastest podcast I've ever done would be to say, never. You're never fully healed. But that just sounds like a big womp womp. And maybe you even feel if that's the answer, then what's the point? What's the point of attempting to heal? What's the point of attempting to try and move on? What I'd love to do is discuss with you what I actually see. Lots of patterns, if you will, that I see in terms of either humans that I speak to on Instagram or through DMs, right? Or mostly through clients or all the book knowledge and all the different things that I have gathered, if you will, and kind of give you a little bit of what I basically see from the majority of humans, some who have moved through trauma. And I mean, we could even back it up. Hold on. Actually, hold on. What does classify as trauma? What does it mean to go through trauma or what is classified, right? Okay. I had my great uncle pass away. And is that trauma, right? Like what means? Yes. Ding, ding, ding. I have unfortunately been through trauma, right? Like what is that? Well, we've all been through trauma collectively as a whole, anyone who has been living on this earth and living within the time of COVID, you have been through trauma. So in a way we all have now, There's complex trauma, there's extended trauma, there's a heightened state that you live in for a really long time. There's totally different means of trauma, right? COVID, I would say it was more extended. And for instance, like me, Jonathan's passing, I would say that there was trauma in different ways throughout my experience with Jonathan. There was relational trauma, which we did not have the healthiest dynamic before separating. And I think that equates to us being so young and so naive and so emotionally immature when we first met and looking at a checklist of what I thought I wanted or what I had always envisioned for my life and not really, hey, let's get down to brass tacks and see if we actually align. When Jonathan and I were separated and 
in the midst of a divorce, which if you want that story, there's plenty of podcasts all about it and how we got to like, wait, what, who that's part of the story too. Like, just go back. You'll, you'll find the story. Don't need to rehash that today. But there was so much trauma for me through that. It was almost like every honest to goodness, everything that I thought Jonathan thought about me that I never really heard out of his mouth, it came forward some way or another throughout the divorce proceedings. And if you are listening to this and you've been through a divorce, it is brutal and ugly and not fun. And it was, whew, I had to do tons of work to get through that and really ground myself and be able to continue to focus on the kids. And whew, that was a rough one. And then of course, the big whammy was when Jonathan passed. I've explained this before, but when I got the call, my mother-in-law was direct and to the point, Brooke, and then she said it. And I literally jumped out of my chair. And I will never forget that feeling of, and I can envision it right now, of sitting in the chair and then my body leapt and I just like crashed on the floor in the middle of like the hallway, the entry hallway. And I know scientifically, neurologically, that is my body trying to literally flee from a bear, trying to run away from the bad news or run away from the trauma, right? And there's so many things that have gone along with that of telling the boys that, you know, daddy's gone and you'll never see him again and all the different things. And then of course, when Charlie was asking enough questions for me to then tell him actually what happened and I will be more prepared when Eli asks and ready. Um, but there's been so much along the way and that's just my story as of the last few years, right? You can have relational trauma. You can have trauma from your relationships with your parents. You can have trauma from a career. You can have trauma from the opposite sex. You can have sexual trauma. I mean, like you can have health trauma, right? Like look at COVID. And I bring up COVID because I do believe that that's the best way to describe a universal fear and universal trauma that we can all relate to, to be like, got it. I understand what you mean. The way in which I believe and feel that COVID was a trauma was simply because of the patterning that was produced because of the fear that was induced by all of us. I mean, I'm not going into political whatever today, but I believe that the news was just saying what they knew, especially in the beginning. And we were all trying to do what was best and no one really knew what to do. And there was such fear that that patterned in our brain for a very, very long time, even as people started to step back out and that was at their own comfort level. Some were still wearing masks, some weren't. Personal choice, some got the vaccine, some didn't, personal choice. But there was fear of if I eat indoors or if I take the mask off or if I fly on a plane or if I don't get the vaccine or if I don't give my children the vaccine or if my children go to school without a mask, there were so many different levels of this that 
invoked fear. And what was the fear? Fear of dying, fear of getting sick, fear of the unknown, fear of not having a crystal ball. And that can pattern within your brain to where you stay, you stay there. I, you know, I, again, not going down a political path. I'm just giving you examples, but some kids still wear masks to school. I still see tons of people on airplanes with masks to each their own. They get to decide no judgment here. I have my own opinions and I get to do what's best for me. You get to do what's best for you. But the point of this conversation is that we all lived through that. And was there lots of negative that came out of that experience? Hell yes. So many relationships crumbled. Some got stronger. I, it was the hardest time in my life. I was becoming a solo parent at that point in my life. And I also was revving my engine to get back to work, which I was loving doing. And it was an awesome outlet for me. And I also needed to find a way to keep my sanity with two little boys who wanted to run around naked all day and, and be in the mud outside. And yet how traumatizing is it to say, okay, kids, let's go on a walk in your neighborhood and then see another family and one family consciously without verbalizing, but consciously chooses one of us chooses to walk across the street. And then we say, Hey, or like, you know, we just smile and nod, but like we have actually chosen to gain some space in between us. Like it's heartbreaking. It's, it's, and not to mention, right. Again, I could go down the rabbit hole, which I could always do, but think of how this has affected our children. Think about how this has affected our children's social engagement and their ability to feel safe in new places. They're transitioning into new spaces and maybe even school. A lot of them who are super, super young, haven't been socialized as much. Like there were so many different consequences from this specific experience that we have all been through. Your brain is like a computer. It is attempting to learn how to build structure, stability, and control within your life and feel the safety within your brain of, okay, got it. That's already programmed. I sit down at my computer. I know what to do. I put my hands on the keyboard. I'm about to get a login so that I put the passcode in. Like Your brain knows all this stuff. And what ends up happening within your brain is the more that you help teach your brain the patterns, which is why when I talk about boundaries with kids and consistency with kids, if you teach them the consistency, what will end up happening is they will wake up and they will brush their teeth automatically and get dressed for school rather than you be like, brush your teeth, put your clothes. Like if you, if you teach them that and you're consistent with that, eventually it becomes automatic so that they don't have to think about it. They're just doing it. Perfect example. Have you ever driven to work or to school or something like that? And you're like, I have no idea how the hell I got here, but you got there safely because your mind was rolling somewhere else. It's automatic, right? It's automatic. You didn't get in a car accident because it's automatic. Your brain knows what to do, how to drive, right? You're releasing that to then make room to learn more. So when we pattern that way and we begin to feel those things, we're ingraining it into our system. So the fear of COVID that I'm talking about, which is part of that trauma, the fear that was invoked and the fear that was created and built within our nervous system, that's going to take a very, very long time to counteract and build new shifting patterns. But you will always remember it. Have you ever had something where you smell? Let's say like I could... 
I literally am thinking about giving you this example and I can smell my dad's cologne right now. Like my dad has always worn the same thing, right? You can relate smells to experiences and your brain recalls that. It's meant to do that so that ding, it can either jump into action or, or feel the correct emotion or calibrate to the right thing. And that's why our brain is so freaking unbelievably brilliant. But at the same time, that means that we're always going to have work to do. We are, no matter if you've been through the death of a partnership or just simply gone through COVID, and it wasn't simple, but you know what I mean. No matter how big or small a trauma is for you, your brain still holds space for that. And the question of when will I finally be healed? I honestly, I get that so much, which is why I wanted to do this podcast of like, when will I finally be healed? When will enough be enough? Like when is all the work I've done? When can I check that off the list and move on? And like I said, there's different ways that we experience or I'm going to say metastasize trauma, if you will. Some choose to ignore it and put it on a shelf. Some focus on it and take care of it for a little bit of time and say, okay, I think I'm good and move on. But yet they still got lingering things, right? Some don't ever want to talk about it and just shut it down, right? Some cry it out alone. Some want to heal alone. Others want to word vomit all over the place and have tons of support and do things in a community, even going to retreats and and group sessions and all the different things, right? And it just simply depends on what feels best and right for you in terms of your healing. Will I always be healing from the fact that I built a narrative in my brain around this is what a partnership should look like. This is what a partnership should be. And that's what I was taught and then created myself, but then had to break free from that enough to say, no, actually, this is not what a partnership should look like, but hold on. I don't know if I'm strong enough to step away from this partnership, knowing that the consequences could be catastrophic for myself and my children. I held on and held on and held on as long as I could. And then it ended up happening anyway, not based on my actions, but Jonathan's actions. And then the ultimate ending did happen. Like everything in my brain that I thought may possibly happen ended up happening. And there's so many different things that pop up in my everyday life that are still continual triggers for me that I need to be like, oh, damn it. I thought, oh, like shit, like fuck, like damn it. Like I thought, and then it's like, okay, here we go. More work. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've looked at all of my support and all of my mentors. And I'm like, I know, damn it. I'm like, okay, fine. Like, fine. I've had some really incredible mentors who have pushed me and been like, I'm like, nope, like, mm -mm, like we're going to, and I'm like, okay, I trust you. Like, I don't like this. Like this feels wildly uncomfortable, but okay. And they've pushed me that much farther. But what I will say is that I know my growth and my healing will never end. And I actually don't want it to end. I have fallen in love with the process of learning more and more about myself, being honest with myself, seeing my shortcomings or you know, all the, all the different things. I, I recently did a podcast on dating after death and I talked about my personal life and yes, I do date. Yes. I have dated the same person for a good bit of time. This is, I'm smiling, which is a trigger of discomfort, but 
I have never fully shared that with my audience. Um, but I, I choose to keep that private because my life is so public. If you can hear in my voice, I'm totally like smiling and laughing right now. But there are so many things that come up within that relationship that I have to like really look at myself in the mirror because it is a mirror, right? Our children are a mirror for us of like, fuck, like, ooh, they're saying things that like I kind of said, and I don't like the way they said that. And I know they learned that from me, right? So when does the healing end? It never ends. But if you embrace it to fall in love with the process of learning more about yourself, a lot of times in the beginning with my clients, they feel the wild discomfort of like, yeah, but like that was uncomfortable to feel. And I'm like, I know, but just trust it because I promise you it'll get easier. And that's what I'm here to support you through. The first time you feel a trigger, it's going to feel so wildly uncomfortable that you literally want to pull your hair out and you want to just, it's, I can't even describe it. It's like, you just want it to be fixed so fast because it's so uncomfortable. But in the nervous system regulation piece of what I teach, I talk a lot about how there's peaks and valleys. That's what I tell potential clients of like, this is probably how you're living right now of like highs and lows and highs and lows. And it's, oh, I can do it. Yes, I can do it. And then it's like, no crap, I can't. This is a bad day. And my job is to help support your brain into recalibrating itself. What is recalibrating itself? Now, if you want to see my hand gestures, go to YouTube because we will post this on YouTube. So when you start with me, it's like tall mountains and then deep valleys. Okay. Think of it that way. I'm trying to give you a verbal visual as I'm using my hands as well. My goal when you work with myself or my team is that by the end of you working with us, it's like rolling waves. I tell every single potential client and I hold my arm up in the middle and I say, I can't give you this, which is a straight line. I can't give you balance, balance, true, true, true balance. Like that shit doesn't really exist. We just want to think it does. And yes, I say that word every now and then, but like balance within reason. Okay. Like let, let's just give it that. The point of this is, is to explain to you that Yes, there's rolling hills, okay? Like think of little little rolling hills in the water or like little tiny waves, right? How the wave ev even rushes into the beach and then goes out and then in and then out, right? It's not like we want to crash into the rocks, right? We don't want that. That's maybe how you're living now. But the point of this is, is okay, the w and the place I want you to live is, okay, I see this coming. I know that this is going to be uncomfortable, but I also know that I have felt this before, I've experienced this before, I know how to now take care of myself because we've worked on this and figured out what actually does work for me. And then I'm gonna go with it. And I'm gonna ride the wave and I'm gonna trust that this wave is here for a reason. And I can give you a perfect example of this. And the reason that I love going back and forth between child to adult is because again, they're a mirror for us. The next time your child has a meltdown, I've said this over and over, but the next time your child has a meltdown, watch. Don't do anything. If you don't know what a meltdown versus a tantrum is, go buy my course on that. It is super cheap and super easy. And if you're a parent and you don't know the difference between a meltdown and a tantrum, it will absolutely change your life. But the next time your child has a meltdown, not a tantrum, okay, a meltdown, wait for the storm to be over. 
And then you tell me what kind of mood your child is in at the end of that. You tell me how they're doing. Usually at the end of a meltdown, it's, I call it the pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. Yes, a rainbow implies beauty. Meltdowns aren't so beautiful all the time for you or children, but it's this like beautiful bliss of happiness and love and connection and they just want to be around you and they're feeling so good. It's because they neurologically regulated their nervous system through the meltdown, through the storm. Sometimes we need to feel the triggers. Sometimes we need to feel those, you know, rushes in, in the, in the water, the waves, right? Sometimes we need those things to help move us along to the next thing. And every time I have a wave, every single time, I'm like, okay, this is here for a reason. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. Is it miserable sometimes? Sure. Do I know how to support myself? At this point, I definitely do. And I've been doing this for so long that I even look forward and in the midst of that storm, I can tell myself, okay, I'm just going to wait for it. I'm going to wait for like the calm. I'm going to wait for the gift. I'm going to wait for, you know, the message in the sand. Like, I, like Brooke, this is just where you need to be. This is where your body is right now, where your brain is. And you're just going to trust the process. Does it take time to get there? Yes. It might even take support right? But the trust of moving through that with support of like, this feels uncomfortable, Brooke, like I'm, I'm going to punch a wall. Like I cannot do this. I have to go say the thing or I have to, like, I have to fix this, but just trusting to know that you have the ability to recalibrate your brain. That's the secret. Like that's the sauce. Like that's the good part. It's not about when is the healing over? It's about gaining awareness to understand that you actually do have control over how you feel in the midst of a trigger or of a storm, as I like to call it, or even in uncomfortable feelings, right? It is the ability to say, I know that I can support myself through this. I know I have the capacity to do it. I've done it before. And I know I'm going to feel okay on the other side. And that is what it's about. It is not about fully saying, I'm healed. Ta-da, here I am, right? What do you get? You know, what do you get if you get total ultimate healing? Are you, are you perfect at the end of that? Like, what is the ultimate goal here, right? Do you get a tiara? Do you get a, a trophy? I mean, I got lots of trophies growing up in dancing and competitions. And like, I don't have those anymore in all the ribbons. I think I actually kept some of the ribbons, but that shit gets bulky after a while. And like, it just takes up space and probably collects a lot of dust. So like, what is the point of getting to the trophy or the end result? What about enjoying the journey along the way of I'm an ever evolving human and it's okay that I'm an ever evolving human. And I know that I'm going to have good and bad days. I know that I'm going to have good and bad moments. I know that I'm going to have good and bad seconds even, but that is humanness we will take going all the way back to the conversation of COVID, like we will take things along with us for many, 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 many years, many, 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 many years. Individuals who were in World War II or any war, army vets, like everyone, you can be home as an army vet for like decades and still be dealing with things, still be dealing with things. If you haven't heard me say this before, Hands down, my favorite book that I like immediately can pull off a shelf 
is called The Body Keeps Score. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because he discusses a lot about how he used to work in mental health hospitals, the, the writer, and he used to work with war vets and how he really could see that the medication wasn't the thing that was helping. It was actually feeling the feelings and supporting the feelings and allowing yourself to move through the feelings that is what was really doing it. That is what was really supporting and healing these, these vets. And it's a phenomenal book. Every time I think I've seen a few people in airports reading it, they think I'm nuts because, and they have no fucking idea who I am, but I go up to them and I'm like, hi. I'm like, just so you know, that's like the best book in the entire world. They're, they're probably like, yeah, no shit. I'm read. That's why I'm reading it. Like, got it. But I'm like, no, no, no this book will change your life. They're like, great. I already bought the book. You don't have to convince me. But I literally go up to anyone I ever see reading this book. And I'm, I just think I know what kind of human you are. You are one in which you want to learn about neurology and you want to learn about how the brain functions and how the systems work to be able to heal yourself. And it's a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Now, just because we can't ever fully heal from trauma doesn't mean that you can't have tools to heal and support yourself through life. So what do those look like? I think first and foremost, the basics is talk therapy, right? Like therapy, like basic, full-blown psychological therapy, right? That is always an option for you. That has been what has been, that has been the social norm for decades at this point. And I don't necessarily love just straight talk therapy. And I'll tell you why. There's no support in between those phone calls. And so it ends up being just a word vomit summary of like what has happened last week. And yeah, like you get somewhere if you have a relationship with your therapist for years and years and years, but do they then become biased, right? Or the, all the different things. So I'm not knocking therapy, FYI. I have a therapist. I'm actually going to speak with her in the next hour. So like, I have a therapist. I got her many years ago and I just said, this is probably something that I should have. And I keep her no matter what mentor or what other support I have on hand. But that's like the first stage I would say of like, everyone needs to have some type of support, like everyone in this world besides your mom or dad or, or partner, like everyone. So at the baseline, find yourself a therapist. I know it can be daunting. I know the wait lists are sucky. I know no one takes insurance anymore because insurance fucking sucks. But just find a place to word vomit if you can, please. I believe the next layer of this, and you know I always say the reason I do this is because, but this is another level of why I do this work is because I want you all to know that the next layer and the next layer of healing in terms of understanding our brains and how to slowly, meaning over the course of your life, heal your brain is the neurological piece of this. Are there many people who do what I do? Yes and no. I have my own methods philosophies. I've built the curriculum. Like I've built the method. I have trained three individuals under me who I trained for over two years before they ever started seeing one-on-one -on -one clients. They support all of the women in our Thrive group. They're phenomenal. They started with me as clients and they all had 
backgrounds in different areas and had different degrees that I felt were a huge benefit to understand this knowledge and be able to support and have the baseline of, of knowledge to be able to support all of my clients or our clients as a whole in terms of the company in the way in which I would do it. Like, I'm not going to, going to just say, sure, like they, let them try Like these, these three women have been supported and taught everything they need to know to give you the same exact result as me. But are there somatic therapists? Yes. Do they do things a little bit differently? Yes. Somatic healing is based on like specific tools, if you will, of like either breath work or different neurological steps and, and exercises and ways in which you can regulate your nervous system or your vagus nerve or somatics is really like an exercise, if you will. We do things a little bit differently in terms of we're trying to recalibrate your brain. And so on the back end, the four of us, we're, we are gaining so much knowledge on who you are in our sessions and in between our sessions so that we can understand how your brain ticks and specifically what we need to support, what triggers you're having, what neurologically, how your sensory profile looks like, all the different things. So we can say, okay, this is what I'm seeing. Let's try this. Or how do you feel for that? To have them have tons of awareness to be able to step into more healing, right? But not ever full blown, like you get a certificate of, of graduating, right? Like I, like I said, I am still healing. The three women on my team who are also support clients of mine, they are still healing. We do a call every single week where I focus in on them and I support them as a mentor for them and continue to help them grow and learn for themselves. Like the, the growth and continuing of education and knowledge, it never ends. And I continue doing the same for me. I'm constantly reading and constantly gaining new, new mentors just to simply learn. And a lot of times it's learning on myself, right? I have to be able to understand it in order to teach it. And that's what we're doing is they understand it. I understand it. And then we are imparting this wisdom onto you so that you can understand it and you become the expert just like us so that then you can go support yourself long-term. That's what we want for you. But when I say support yourself long-term, notice I didn't say graduate and be healed from trauma. Have I healed many portions of my trauma? Hell yeah. I've worked hard, like really hard to heal a lot. It's effort. But is there more to go? And do I know that like right around the corner, something's going to possibly hit me like a ton of bricks? Yeah. Am I ready for it? Sure. Because I know that I can't get that straight line of balance. And I know that one experience could trigger something for me. I was... Even as I said that, I thought of an example of I was whitewater rafting with the kids this summer and they were going over some safety protocols and there was something that triggered me that I thought about Jonathan. And it just, I looked at my mom and I told her about it and it's like these things affect my life on a daily basis. And you would never know. I don't always just blurt it out to whoever I'm with, but my partnership, I do need to have open communication about that. And my children, I have very big open communication about that. And I allow my children to have the same, a lot of the same 
I want them to share with me how they're feeling. If they say they're feeling sad for the day, I let them know it's more than okay. If they don't feel like playing with friends or if they just want to lay low, more than okay. We are allowed to have hard days and those little waves in the ocean. Yeah, we're allowed to have that. Perfection does not exist, which means perfection in healing does not exist. It is going to be a journey. It is going to be a process. And the more you accept that, validate that, as well as give yourself validation for the human you were in the past. I share very openly that Jonathan and I, our relationship wasn't all that I wanted it to be. I'm more than okay with saying that now because I accept the human that I was back then. I more than accept that person. I'm not shameful of that person. I don't blame myself or Jonathan. It's just, that's the facts. Like, we are who we are at that time in our lives or the season of our life. And so it is okay to simply be where you're at. And it's also okay to accept the human you were in the past. We always want to be able to grow and learn. And I've said this before, I've put it in a reel, but it's all about the three to 5%, right? Like if you make tiny little shifts every single year, be proud of that. Be proud that you're doing the work as well as be proud of the person you were before, like, yes, am I more healed today than I was yesterday or five years ago? Hell yeah. But I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I'm not going to rip that person apart. I'm going to accept that human and understand why that particular human inside of me existed at that time. And so the big takeaway is we're all going to be fucked up forever. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just totally kidding. Totally kidding. Um, but the point of this is that the healing and work always continues. Am I more healed now than I was a year or two ago or five years ago? You bet. But I also love the person that I am here today. And I also look forward to the person I will be in a year. Like I look forward to that and it's okay to accept it all. Healing can happen, but it does happen very slowly. And I do believe that we become wiser as we get older. We become more comfortable within our skin and more comfortable with the choices we're making and who we are and how we choose to lead our lives and not caring about what others think as much. Like all that happens with, with time, right? And experience, but also healing. So best of luck on your healing journey. And know that it's okay to go slow. And until next time, XOXO, Dr. B.